Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Categories Book 7 is devoted to what Aristotle calls the category of relation, in Greek the prosti, and one of the aspects of it that he discusses at considerable length, particularly in order to try to help us from making mistakes, is what we would call correlative terms. Now, interestingly enough, the Greek for that is the antistrephonta. This is the word that we actually get antistrophe from, and it shows up at other places in, in Aristotle's works. And you'll notice that it's not lexically related to the pros t or any of the other sort of ways in which Aristotle talks about this, like pros heteron or from something to something. In this, it's the terms that, you know, are sort of opposed but connected to each other. And this is at the very core of this particular category because you don't have relation without having having correlatives or correlation between them. That is of the very nature of correlative terms or things that whose being is to be relative. So all relatives, like I put here, have correlatives. So anytime that, that something is predicated in the category of relation, you should always be able to index it or connect it to something else. And we'll look at some of the examples that Aristotle uses here. So for example, slave and master. Notice that he's not saying human being and human being necessarily here, although we're going to talk about that a bit. And again, if the word slave and master is throwing you, you can always reformulate it in terms of other human relations that people have. So the slave is the doulos, the servant, right? And the master is the despotes, is the word we get despot from, right? To, to behave like a slave master. And Aristotle says, look, if you have a slave, the slave is the slave of a master. Without a master, there is no slave. And you might say, well, wait, wait a second. In ancient slavery, people were sold at auction. Diogenes, the great cynic philosopher when he was put on the auction block. Here was his pitch. Whoever buys me is looking for a master rather than looking for a slave. And you, you know, you can raise all sorts of issues like that. And yes, th those, those are all valid in a certain way. But for something to be a slave, there has to be some master somewhere, right? When during the slave market, people are selling and buying each other and they're trading hands, they're going from one master to another. Likewise, you're not a master unless you actually have some slaves, right? These are correlative terms. And, and again, those who are offended by the fact that the ancient societies pretty much across the globe had chattel slavery of one form or another, just substitute something else in there. So instead of master and slave, think in terms of teaching and student or parent and child or any other sort of uh, relation, right? You cannot have one side without having the other. If you're a parent and you have a child and your child dies, in a certain sense, you cease being a parent. Of course, you can always talk about, you know, your deceased child and the memories that you have of them. But to be a parent means to exist in relation to a child. To be a child means to exist in relation to a parent. Even if that parent, again, has passed on and no longer exists. Let's look at another example. Double, diplacion, and half, hemisu. By the way, the word we get hemisphere from, right? Hemisphere. 
So if you say that something is double, you have to index it to what it is the double of. Otherwise, it's not really a double, you know? So here's a sort of common example. We see people in movies sidling up to the bar and the bartender comes over and they say, I'll have a scotch or I'll have a bourbon. And the bartender says, okay, buddy. And then they say, better make it a double, right? Well, double of what? Double the amount of quantity of the scotch, double the size of something else. The something else is half in relation to the double. So let's say, you know, the other person didn't have quite so bad of a day and they're drinking a drink and it's just a regular shot, right? Of scotch. And they're looking over there and they say, I've got half what you have. You must have had a terrible day. Now the terrible day, that's not part of the correlatives, but the double and half certainly is. Knowledge and the knowable, right? Now the knowable as such can exist before the knowledge is had of it. Aristotle is going to talk about that. It's a little bit more complex. We're doing a separate discussion of that in a different video to go over that. But insofar as we're thinking about it in terms of its correlatives, if you have knowledge, you don't have knowledge just by itself without being connected to knowledge of what is knowable. So if you understand plumbing, for example, great skill to have, by the way, you understand the ways in which the pipes, you know, can be fitted to each other and how to make water and solids and things like that flow properly and how to move things around weird bends in people's strange houses or apartments, the way that they're set up. That's something knowable. If you understand Aristotle's categories, right? And you can teach it as I'm doing here right now. That is a different kind of knowledge and episteme. Now, granted, plumbing is really, you know, technically speaking, a techne as opposed to an episteme. But, but just, you know, for this part, don't worry about those sort of terms if you've run into them before. We can say this about any other kind of knowledge. Knowledge exists in relation to its correlative, the knowable, the, the epistone, what can be actually known or what is to be known if you're studying that kind of knowledge. So these are pretty typical examples of how correlative terms can be understood in relation to each other. Notice that in his discussion of this topic, Aristotle devotes quite a lot of time to trying to help us to avoid certain mistakes in speaking and thinking about these sorts of issues. So we can make mistakes about what actually is correlative to something else. Here we want to look a little bit more carefully at his discussion. So he says, at times, the correlation will not manifestly appear when a mistake has been made and the correlate itself wrongly stated. So let's take the first example that he has here, bird and wing. Now, another thing that we need to say is, is Aristotle also discusses how the part of a substance is not actually a relative term as part of a substance. But, you know, it's often able to talk about terms or things in multiple ways. So here we might talk about the wing as being the wing of the bird. And Aristotle says that's not technically correct. That's not the way we want to think about it. What is wing correlative to? Winged thing. 
So he goes on and he says, if you call a wing, wing of a bird, then no correlation appears. Wing and bird are, I mean, not correlative. So he says, you set up the terms wrong in framing things that way. The wrong term was used at the outset in calling it wing of a bird. For the wing is the wing of a bird when considered as winged, as something that is winged, not as bird. Because other things could be in the class of winged as well. So that's kind of an interesting comparison. He says, when the right terms are used, the correlation will forthwith appear. Wing belongs to the winged of necessity. Now, this leads him into a discussion. He says, sometimes we don't actually have the right words for, for this. And in that case, we need to invent terms. If, if the language doesn't have the terms that we need, then we need to create names, create terms that we can use for that. And if we do that, then we will be better off in terms of, you know, not making these kinds of mistakes. So he says, let's take the example of boat and ruddered. Now, we, of course, do have this term in English, ruddered, but at the time that Aristotle is writing in Greek, presumably this is not a term that people would have used. So boat and rudder. Is the rudder the rudder of the boat? Does the, the rudder exist in relation to the boat? You'd be tempted to say yes. But Aristotle goes on and he says, to a boat is inappropriate and fails to bring out the correlation, fails to bring out how they are related to each other in this way. So he says, not indeed to the boat viewed as boat does the rudder belong of necessity. Why not? There are some boats that don't have rudders, right? There's plenty of rudderless boats. Think of a canoe, for example, or, you know, one of those uh, little round boats that, that they used to make with hides and branches and things like that. I think it's called a coruscal or something along those lines. Very treacherous way to travel around. A rowboat doesn't have a rudder. You know, lots of boats may fail to have something like a rudder. Even take like a motorboat, right? That has a motor in the back. You can say, well, the motor's performing the function of the rudder. It's being used to steer. Yes, but it's not a rudder, right? So what would be the actual correlative of the rudder? Ruddered, the thing that has a rudder. Now this is, this is a weird way of talking, even in English, right? And so Aristotle says, this is where we make up a term. Boat is not boat of a rudder, as rudder is rudder of a boat. Since no proper term exists, we coin one to suit the occasion and speak with more accuracy. Thus, the rudder is rudder of the ruddered. And if we express ourselves in this way, then the terms, he says, will be reciprocal. They will be given from each other, given in, in relation to each other. And so he says, so in all other cases, a head will be better defined as correlative of that which is headed. That's a weird way to talk too, isn't it? So a head is a part of a substance, right? My head is part of me, Greg Sadler, this individual thing, primary substance. Aristotle's saying, no, no, we look at the head in relation to this thing as being something headed. Then we have a, a genuine correlative. And he says, animals simply as animals do not have heads of necessity. Some don't have heads. And we could talk about hands that way or tentacles that way or all sorts of things that way. So you see the idea. Now the, the master-slave thing again, he brings up as another example in this case. This is a very interesting one to think about. This is quite rich if we think about, say, implications for technology or, or human relations. But I'm going to have to skip that. But I'm just putting that out there. He says, 
says, relatives are referred to their correlates provided they're rightly defined. And I want to say this because if the correlate happens to be stated in a casual or inaccurate way, the terms cannot be reciprocal. So let me explain what I mean. He says, let slave be defined in relation to human being. Here it's translating as man, but anthropos can be human being, right? So the slave is the slave of a human being. And yes, in a certain sense, that is correct. You know, if we're thinking about the institution of slavery, it is a, this is part of what, what we find barbaric and objectionable about it. A human being is owned by another human being. A human being is forced to be the slave, uh, the tool, as Aristotle says, the ensold tool of another human being. But it's not really accurate it in this sense, to say that the slave is the slave of the human being, the slave is a slave of a master. Slave exists as a term, as a designation, as a concept in relation to master and vice versa. So Aristotle will go on and he says, slave could be defined in relation to human being or biped or whatnot, instead of it being defined in relation to master. And if this is the case, then no correlation, no, no correlative connection actually appears for the reference is really inaccurate. So he says, again, let us grant the two things are correlative with one another and the correct term is being used for the purpose of stating the second. If we remove all of its other, then that is irrelevant attributes, leaving only that in virtue of which it was called the correlative, then will that said correlative be nonetheless found to exist. So the correlative of slave is not human being, it's master. And we might think this out in terms of like, what is it to be a slave? What is it to be a master? There's clearly a power relation there. There's some sort of relation of domination, of ownership. There's a lot of things that are packed into this, but they don't necessarily need to imply human being. So this is where I said we have all sorts of interesting, rich implications. So he says, you know, if we remove one, we remove the other. If we remove the slave, then there's no master. If we remove the master, then there is no slave. Now, the last thing that I want to point out here is that in many cases, correlatives, as Aristotle says, come into being together. This is not the case in terms of the knowable or the perceptible in relation to knowledge or perception, Aristotle says. The knowable or perceptible generally precede the actually knowing about them. You know, they exist out in the world and then we get to, to know them or perceive them. But in the case of all these other things, things. It is the case that one comes into relation or one comes into being in relation with the other and vice versa. Now, that's not to say that if, you know, we've got slave and master who happen to both be human beings, that the human beings themselves may not say outlive each other or anything like that. But what we're talking about here is not human being and human being. We're talking about these correlatives, slave and master or teacher and student or pick whatever else you want to substitute in there. And in those cases, they do come into being as that thing, as, you know, we could say the social roles in this case at the same time as another. Likewise with the double and the half. You have a double precisely because you have a correlative half and vice versa. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, 
keep studying these great philosophical works.